Welcome to episode 80 of the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. I'm Matt Casal. With me, as always, are Ian Sharpley. Hello. And that's it. Uh, MIA tonight <laughs> is Paul McGinty, um, the Iron Man, missing his very first podcast tonight. After 79 episodes strong, he decided to take a brief hiatus. He'll be back with us next week. Um, as long as this doesn't go too well, if it does, then he's out. That's that right? true. Yeah, much like um, Wally Pip had a long streak, and then it was broken by Lou Gehrig, and he never gave up. He never gave up the position. He took it, and he had the position, believe it was that shortstop for the Yankees, until he got Lou Gehrig's disease. Oh so. my god, we're talking a sport other than hockey on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. So who knows, maybe fan reaction will be so great, so high, so overwhelming that we can't afford to bring Paul back and drag us down into the depths. Probably, yeah. But and not only are we going to talk baseball tonight, we're also going to talk some new Marvel movie slate. Phase 3 Marvel movies. Whole slew of announcements that were, well, announced last week. And um, a lot of excitement there. We're also going to get into... Some Marvel Comics cancellations. Marvel has, I think, somewhat defiantly canceled some some titles uh, in response to basically them not having movie rights to these certain characters, so we'll get into that. And I think we talked a little bit about that last year around... Um, it, they did some different things with Spider-Man and changed him into a villain and... Uh, I know we talked a little bit about, like, oh, I think this is a conspiracy conspiracy theory to tank the character because they don't own the rights and all this. And it sounded crazy, but now with just straight-up cancellations of books, I don't know. Maybe maybe they could be doing some weird things, so well, we'll talk about it. Yeah, we'll get into that, and then I think rounding out the show tonight, we'll have, a, a I think, a healthy segment that we're just going to call Things Paul Hates. <laughs> and uh, we'll get into all the things that we always feel like are a little too dangerous to get into when when the Iron Man is here. But a little too risky. A little too risky, but tonight it's just Ian and I. So before we get into that, McSauce casters, let's get into housekeeping with Ian Sharpley. Tonight we had to change our studios. We're not broadcasting from the typical studios in Penn Hills. We're broadcasting from the sensual 70s sauce sanctuary down here in my basement. It's Holy all... shit. Say that three times. I, I could barely say it once. Uh, but, I mean, like, I love this 70s chair I'm sitting in. I'm, I'm going to take this chair with me when I leave tonight. My basement is full of old-timey 70s looking chairs and lamps with, like, Dutch boys and stuff like that. So it's very, very... Very, very trippy, very far out down here. So I feel like there should be photos posted on Facebook. Maybe there will be. Maybe we'll post some of uh, uh, our, uh, our, our temporary home tonight for uh, the McSauce Podcast. The podcast that you can find Wednesdays at McSauce.com. You can go there, read the reviews, the webcomic that we post on Tuesdays and Fridays, Go to the Facebook page and give us a like. Uh, we're going to try to get over 200 likes uh, before the holiday season, before Christmas, I would say. So tell your friends about McSauce or like it yourself if you haven't already. Um, 
it's something that we're going to try to do to get more uh, more notoriety out there. Yeah, and a couple weeks ago you announced this goal that you want to have up to 200 likes by... When did you say again? What's the deadline? We'll say the deadline will be the new year. We'll say January 1st. January 1st. That gives us less than two months. How, and I, I'm just guessing. It was about two or three weeks ago that you said you want... 200 likes. How many have we gotten since that time to now? We lost one, and then we gained two, so we have 168 likes right now. So when you said you want 200 likes at the time, we had 167, and now we have 168. Yes, we correct. We're not on pace we're not. to make 200. No, we're so really folks, not. Please, take two seconds, go on to Facebook, like us, it'll make Ian so happy be very very happy you can go to after you're done liking us you can go to itunes and you can subscribe to the mcsauce podcast it'll come right to your mobile device or it'll come right to your itunes on your computer you can stream us on stitcher radio you can also find the updated episodes on podomatic now if you go into the mcsauce feed on your itunes you'll notice that there are several episodes that are missing and that is because we're currently making the move to libsyn Right now. Now, do you think that that not to interrupt? No, that's okay. You know, that's what we do here. That is what we do. Now, do you think that that there are McSauce fans that that went into the archives and were trying to find like episode seven, and they were like, "What the fuck is this?" I pray that there are people out there that are like, "I really want to hear." Episode 1, Kenny Baker is a dick. What is that all about? I want to hear the raw beginnings. Do I need to retell that story tonight? No, you don't. No, okay. But people can find it at mcsaucepodcat.libson.com. Podcast. Podcast. You did a Mike Ditka. You you just stopped at podcast. 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 You can go there. The first seven episodes are available, the classic episodes. And eventually, they'll all be lumped into one big Libsyn happy page, and you won't have to go to multiple places to find them. But for right now, we're making the move. It's going to take a few months. So if you see old episodes that you wanted to check out, they might not be in your feed, but they definitely will be on the Libsyn page. So go there and uh, take a look at some of the classic McSauce episodes like I said, right now, the first seven are up there. Kenny Baker is a dick. Episode two, Dynamism. Episode three, Lady Squirrel. Episode four, Dwayne Johnson get, gets hit by a bus. That's a personal favorite of mine. Man. I love that one. That one's all about Superman or Batman and Superman and our feelings about the different, in, different incarnations of the Dark Knight. So that's a good one. Word Boner, episode five. And episode six, A Pound of Twizzlers. So you guys Great can times. go. And A Pound of Twizzlers is a haunted Halloween one that we did in or No, we did it in April. April, I so, think. April of 2013. Yeah. So you can go there and check all of those things out. And uh, get updated with all your mixed sauce happenings. But tonight on episode 80... We're going to talk about, as Matt mentioned, we're going to talk about the Phase 3 Marvel movies. We're going to talk about cancellations. And then we're going to talk about, I don't know, some, some different fun things that the man has been keeping us down with and not letting us talk about. <laughs> so, Ian, Marvel announced, what, one or two new movies they have coming out over the next 20 years? 
I would say that they announced one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight new movies, or actually nine because they did announce Avengers: Infinity War Part One and Part Two. So nine new films. Well, you know what? Let's jump right into that because for me personally, that's the thing I've been waiting for. And before Avengers Two was ever really announced, that's what I thought Avengers Two was going to be. I thought it was going to be probably called Avengers Infinity Gauntlet or something to that effect. Right. Infinity War, I don't know because I haven't really read anything on this, but it seems like it's going to be the Infinity Gauntlet storyline. It's, you know, it's Thanos accumulating all of the power gems and putting them on a glove and and basically becoming God. And... It's called Infinity War, which is kind of interesting because that was part two in the comic books of the whole Infinity Gauntlet saga, which progressively got worse. Um, It started with the Infinity Gauntlet, a six-issue series, um, back in 92, I want to say. Yeah, I believe so. Maybe 93. And then from there, it did the follow-up, which was the Infinity War, which was after, spoilers, after Thanos was defeated... It was the story of Adam Warlock, Thanos's arch nemesis, um, breaking up the Infinity Gems and uh, distributing them to maybe his most trusted allies. Was that? Yeah, I think so. I think that's what happened to, and and that seems to be a theme throughout Marvel, keeping these gems away from Thanos, putting them in the trust of. Later on, it became the Illuminati with. Tony Stark, Reed Richards, Neymar, Black Bolt, and Professor... Did I say Professor X? I might have said that twice. No. Um, so, yeah, they broke them them up, and that was another group of people that took those gems. I forget after the Infinity Gauntlet, who it was like Captain America and um, some other people? No, no, it was... Um, I forget what her name was. I don't think it was Gamora. It was... She was green, though. Or was it? Was it Gamora? It might have been. And Drax was one of the other ones. Pip was another one that got one of them. That, like, dwarf elf character, whatever he was. From Elf of Flight? Or no? No, you're thinking Puck. Okay. Pip was, like, basically wears a loincloth or something, and he has a cigar. Where is he going to hide the gem? He just (laughs) has a loincloth? In his pee hole. (laughs) It's the the peeing gem. (laughs) But, um, and then after the Infinity War was Infinity Crusade, I kind of flamed out after Infinity War. Same here. I never even read it. I really? Own, I own it, but I didn't read it. But well, I, I bought the trade paperback, and I think my goal was, okay, I'm going to start it in Infinity Gauntlet, and I'm going to go through and reread that, and then reread War, and then I'll you know, go into Crusade, but I think, again, by the time I got done with War, I was like, I don't want to read it now, I don't care. Yeah. I think War just was such a step back from Gauntlet that it it just killed my, my passion for the whole thing. So, getting back to the new announced movie, why are they calling it the Infinity War when it's... It's certainly not going to follow the Infinity War storyline. I think it's just war in name, just like how Avengers 2 Age of Ultron wasn't is not going to be the storyline pulled from last year's group of comics that had to do with a lot of 
alternate realities and things like right. that. I don't think they're doing that exact storyline. They're just using a great name. And I think that's what Infinity War... It's going to be a war. It's going to bring in Guardians of the Galaxy. It's going to pit the, the Avengers against Thanos. All the different corners of the Marvel Universe yeah. are going to be involved in a war. I felt like they just liked the name. It's a good title. It is a good title. It sounds cool. It, it sounds better than the Infinity Gauntlet. But yeah. in my mind, knowing what the Infinity Gauntlet is versus what the Infinity War was, it, like the fanboy in me wants it to be the Infinity Gauntlet. Yeah, I can understand that. And and on top of that, it's like I'm not a big fan of Marvel taking existing storylines and slapping that title on their films because, well, it sounds good. Well. Be creative. Come up with something else that sounds good. The, the, those are not the only combinations of words that can go together that sound good. Yeah. There are others. That, and, like, why not just have a, a clever writer come up with something? I think that just makes it a little confusing. But if there's one thing Marvel has done in the last decade, it's confused its readership and fans with rebooting of number ones. Like, in you have... A thousand comic books. More than a thousand comic books. <laughs> I have a lot. We're you, looking at them right now. You don't even know how to organize them anymore because you have 19 Spider-Man number ones. That's correct. Um, it's extremely confusing. And it's frustrating as somebody that just... I like the satisfaction and just the way it looks, man. Spider-Man number 591. That's a big, gigantic number. I know it doesn't actually exist. I don't think they're up that high. The but, Amazing Spider-Man? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they went over. They, okay. they hit 600. 600. Is that the one J. Scott Campbell cover? Um, no, that was Amazing Spider-Man. Well, J. Scott Campbell's done a number. Yeah. Uh, Alex Ross did the cover to Amazing Spider-Man 600. It was really a big, thick book. Right at the same time period, Thor 600 came out. Okay. Um, I, I want to say there was a Fantastic Four 600. But hey, that's what Marvel does. They um, they change their numbering based on whatever whatever suits them at that moment. Oh, uh, a commemorative anniversary issue is going to help us sell books. Okay, yeah, it's six hundred until you know we want to relaunch at number one. Until well, you know, if we would have kept this series going for you know those eighteen issues when we renumbered, it would actually be this big milestone issue. Okay, let's do it. And then back again to renumbering. It's a lot of having their cake and eating it. It too. is, it really is. And 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 it's I mean, ultimately does it matter? Not really, except for when you're trying to organize your comic books, which is becoming more and more a lost art. A lot of fans like I feel like newer comic book fans maybe aren't even buying comic books. They're yeah. Getting the trade paperbacks at Barnes and Noble, um, you know they see the movies that they maybe check in for one or two specific storylines. The They're trade not- paperback market is a double-edged sword. It brought in a lot of new readers that didn't want to go to the comic book shop or were intimidated by it, or honestly were already at Barnes and Noble or had their Amazon account set up, and, oh, a comic book, this would be nice, let me just check. And this is an entire story, and that's what a lot of people kind of gravitate towards. I can get the whole story right here. These six issues, they write them for the trade now. I'm going to take these six issues and and get a whole entire chapter of this character's story. Yeah, 
you know, there was a time actually uh, in the early 2000s when I decided. Now, bear in mind, I'm the most wishy-washy person you've ever met in your life. Like, I can't make a decision and stick to it to save my life. I allow circumstances to dictate my decisions almost all the time. But in this particular case, I had decided that I was going to quit buying single issues and go trade paperbacks. I liked how they looked on the shelf. I liked the convenience of having all the issues right there. And this is obviously in the early 2000s, so it's before digital. That level of convenience existed. And I just thought that this was the, this was the future. This was the way comic books were going to be consumed. You know, this is how you're going to read them. And I thought, especially with, like, the way that, you know, major bookstores like Borders, which is now gone, and Barnes & Noble were really getting into the trade paperback market as far as selling things. Everything was becoming a collected volume, whereas, like, in the 90s, when you and I got into comics, like, there were so many storylines that were never collected. The only way to get that story was to buy it when it came out in the issues or hunt down back issues. And that's what we had to do. We had to find those back issues and make it a point to go to different comic book stores. If your home comic book shop didn't have all the issues, well, man, you were going to flea markets. Yep. You were going to the convention. You were going to other other comic book shops to find that stuff. And, and even the trade paperbacks that were available, they did weird stuff. Like one of my favorite ones, but it's kind of strange – was the collected edition of Spider-Man vs. Venom. All the amazing Spider-Man issues that were just him yeah. battling Venom, which were all over the place. I mean, it spanned it over maybe 30 issues or something like right. that, a couple different artists, a couple different writers. And to read it, it's super disjointed because you're going, you're reading two issues and then like a year later you're reading more issues. Yep. They would never do that now, but they did that a lot back in the 90s. They did. Um and so my uh, my conversion to strictly trade paperbacks lasted maybe all of two months or something until I was like, man, I miss getting my my singles. I, I this isn't gonna work. I don't think I had actually sold a few comics. Well, more than a few, but a, a healthy amount of my collection in order to fund converting to trade paperbacks. <laughs> Uh, I what I remember one of the things I did was I had unloaded my entire run of Powers, the initial Image Comics run. It was about 35 issues, and the first issue was going for a decent amount of money on eBay or whatever. Or maybe at the time, Wizard said it was probably worth maybe 50 bucks or something. And, uh, I miss having a wizard and a reference point where you can go and look every month. And it was fucking fun, man. Like, it had... it. So, for those that don't know, Wizard Magazine was a magazine that started in the early 90s. Um, and, it, and it covered all the latest comic book news. Uh, and it got into everything from, uh, like... Upcoming storylines, new creators. It would it would tell you like uh, what the what the hottest books were at the time. Like um, you know, it's how you found out about just the the most popular things. There was no internet. There was no buzz. It was all done through this magazine. So you would find like um, you know 
there would be sections where it would have like these are the top ten hottest books, and these were the books that were that were like hard to find in comic book stores, but they were well sought after because they were either like the first uh, time that a new artist had worked on something, or it was his first work, you know, before he you know exploded into like superstardom, or it would have um, you know these are the the top ten hottest creators, artists, and writers. And it was just like this really fun way to kind of like gauge the whole comic book industry. Everything from creators to characters to storylines to publishers. It felt like Rolling Stone for comic books to me. And it just, it, it did. It had all those different sections. There was something that I loved back in the day. My favorite thing was the um, the fantasy casting. Because back in the early casting 90s, call, casting, casting call. Back in the early 90s, there were no comic book movies. There were there were none. I mean, you know, you'd have your Batman, but we always sat there and dreamed, well, what would, who would play Spider-Man? And who would be in the Fantastic Four movie? Or who, who could they possibly get to be in an X-Men movie? How cool would that be? And one of the things that Wizard did was they went through and they took popular actors of the day and cast them. There were other things, illustration tutorials by all the famous creators of the day, they would teach you, you know, their tips and tricks, and it was kind of like an insider look at what was going on in the industry, all the upcoming books, all the pre- preliminary designs for some of the new characters. If Batman was getting a new costume, the place that you were going to get to see Batman's costume, because the internet didn't really exist, man. You had to find this stuff yep. in in paper form. It was going to be in Wizard Magazine. It was a big deal. In, in those lists that you'll see on Newsarama, like uh, the top 25 fights of all time, that was the shit that was in Wizard Comics, and, and you would read about it. And... and uh, to me, I felt like there was something much more tangible, uh, obviously, than reading it online. Like, having this list, and you like had it in your hand, you could see, these are the 25 best fights ever. I need to get these top 25 fights yeah. ever. Um, whereas I feel like now you would read a list like that online, just for five minutes of entertaining, and entertainment while you're, like, on your iPad while you're taking a shit. It's just something to do. Whereas, like, back then, it was like, I need to know what are the best fights of all time in comic books. And you, like, kept that info with you. Um, And and another thing about Wizard Magazine, it had such a sense of humor, you know? It was, like, funny to read. Yeah. And uh, I think eventually, obviously, the the digital age kind of just killed it. it. With the internet basically telling you everything this magazine could tell you. Only it would tell you a month and a half in advance. Um, But then, I think the other thing was, I just don't think that it had the same charm eventually. They completely changed the format after a while. Everything from literally the the physical size of the magazine to to just kind of like the the section-off nature of it. It completely lost its sense of humor. It was a much more straightforward thing. And then, obviously, the other big part of this magazine, uh, you know, going back why we all loved it was because it did have, like, in the the last half to a third of the magazine was the price guide, which, you know, at the time when we were in, into comics, yes, we loved the stories and the art, but we really also liked seeing what our books were worth. 
you know, shit, I bought that for $1.75 and now it's $5. Look at that. It was like a mini stock market. And you, yeah, you could tell your parents like, look what my investment in like, you're not such a weirdo. This is a great hobby to have. You're going to be super rich and famous because you were so smart with your comic book son. Right. I mean, like just, just randomly here, I'm flipping through Ian was uh, kind enough to provide me with uh, Wizard uh, Wizard Magazine number 14 from October of 1992. And, uh, you know, just, just randomly, uh, back in, in October of 92, Watchmen number one, what do you think that was going for? Ah, oh, jeez. I'm going to go low. I'm going to say, I'm going to say 10.75. Actually, you're pretty damn close but you went over so it doesn't count eight dollars eight dollars um now now this would have been shortly after um after you and i got into comic books it was right around there i think the first wizard magazine i know i still have it because i boxed it up the other day i have wizard magazine number three it was completely black and white your boy eric larson drew the cover it was wolverine and that was another thing that was so fun about it was Wizard got the top artists to do the covers and they did, yeah. they always did a little play on like the wizard hat and cloak and they had like the star yeah. cloak yeah. thing that they always incorporated into each issue. Except for this one, looks like it's just the X Men on the cover. Uh, there might be some stars and shit on there somewhere. Yeah, maybe, maybe. But so, uh, uh yeah, I mean that that I happen to be on the Savage Dragon page number one. And it highlights in, like, green, although it's kind of faded now. That meant it was, like, new that that month in, in the price guide. Three bucks. Three dollars. And you only paid what? What? A dollar ninety-nine for it. So look See? at that investment, Mom. Already and climbing then, the so, charts. So last one I want to look up is uh, Spider-Man number 12. Both Ian and I's uh, very first foray into comic book collecting. Yes, it was. Um, well, look at this. Spawn number one. Four dollars. Um, Doubling your investment right there. Uh, Spider-Man number... Next page here. Number 12. Four bucks. Four bucks. So the book Another. that each bought for $1.75 was going for $4 in October of 1992. So anyway, the point of uh, Wizard Magazine um, bringing it up Ian, help me out. How's I we got terrible? super sidetracked, but that's okay. I don't remember why we were talking about Wizard Magazine, but yeah, Brutes and Babes by Bart Sears, man. I, I loved this. And not that I know anything about perspective or good layout design or plot or anything like that, but it kind of helped. It, it told you a little about a bit about storytelling and the way that a professional comic book artist came at it. They even had a section in here where you could mail in your own wizard comic cover. Did you ever do that, Matt? No, I don't no. even remember that. I tried drawing a few, but none of them were very good, and I never sent it in. But I did try. Do you know who did the very first cover of Wizard Magazine? I believe it was Todd McFarlane. That's right. Spider-Man in a little wizard cap deal. But yeah, I'm really not sure why we got into well, Wizard Magazine. We originally started talking about Marvel's upcoming slate of, of movies. movies. And we got as far as the Infinity War. Right. So which, let's talk about some more of these movies. Well, actually, Something I, current day. I, I want to go still into Infinity War a little bit. Okay. Because 
One of the big uh, key players in the Infinity Gauntlet is Adam Warlock. Will they be introducing Adam Warlock into the Marvel U, Marvel movie U? That's a good question. I have no idea. The final chapter of these movies is the Inhumans, um, but I, I don't know. I know that he's not one of them. So, and does he, is he with Guardians? I mean, could he possibly be in the Guardians 2 movie well, that comes out before these, these films? I, I certainly feel like he belongs more with Guardians than Avengers. Yeah. And it seems to me like Infinity War will be that big crossover where, you know, every everything comes together for one big... Like, if you thought it was cool seeing, like, uh, Captain America and the Hulk and Iron Man come together, well, imagine seeing the Guardians and all those Avengers come together in one big thing. These it's, movies are going to make so much money, man. It's like... Like, sensory overload. And, and you have to wonder, like, are they going to be able to tell a good story with this many characters? Like, are they going to be able to reasonably split screen time between all these characters and not only that but like make audiences happy because everybody's got a favorite right like is Drax gonna be reduced to like three minutes of screen time yeah probably I, I mean that's that's a good question even splitting them into two movies they're gonna be a year apart I don't know how they're gonna do it I don't know how they're gonna get like what kind who who directs this you know what I mean like you're gonna have to get a top-level director to direct both of these films. Would Joss Whedon be up to that task? He probably will be. I think so. I feel like he is becoming entrenched with Marvel, very similarly to the way that um, uh, Zack Zack Snyder is with DC. And it's almost like these guys are now sort of taking the mantle and running with it. Like... I'm the DC movie guy. I'm the Marvel movie guy. Um, you know, I think both of these guys, particularly Whedon, I feel are kind of like fanboys to begin with. You know, mm-hmm. like they're big comic book uh, sci-fi fans. And n- knowing that there's another creator of equal caliber on the other side, I feel is going to fuel like their creative kind of fire. And... and they're going to take pride in this, and and that's great. It's good. Basically, it's creating competition, and who benefits when two big fucking conglomerates go at one another? We do, the fans. That's true. So any of that sports mentality nonsense, any of that, well, these Marvel movies can't do well because then that means that the DC movies will be doing poorly. That's just junk. This isn't Steelers-Ravens. These movies are for everybody. We're all going to enjoy them. They're all going to be fun. Hopefully, hopefully, they're all going to be different. Just like how the DC films are a little bit more dark. They're they're darker. They're a little more refined. They're for a different audience, maybe, than all of the Marvel movies. And that's great. I like that. Because I don't want all my movies to be the Avengers. And I don't want all my movies to be Man of Steel. Right. But I want all of that in my movie going experience and i'm glad that the creators are so you know so different the thing that i that really kind of um that gives me pause is the fact that the silver surfer will not be a part of this <laughs> the silver yeah. surfer was a major major player in the infinity gauntlet storyline i mean next to adam warlock he was the main good guy um and the, it, it, I don't how 
how do you tell that story without that major character? I can understand omitting the X-Men, omitting Spider-Man, because those guys were just kind of like window dressing. They were there because they had to be. But they didn't really progress the story in any meaningful way. Whereas Silver Surfer was a major contributor. There still is that rumor that for one of these Avengers Infinity War movies that Sony's going to do something to give the rights of to Spider-Man over to Marvel Studios or lend that character and lend Andrew Garfield. It's totally a rumor. There is nothing confirmed. But it's a rumor that makes sense on Sony's end. And I know for a fact that Marvel wants all of its properties. It's not going to get the X-Men back ever, I don't think. And it might not ever get Spider-Man fully back, but if they could have Spider-Man in one of these films, I think that they would make some kind of deal to have Why, that. You say it would be good for Sony. Why is that good for Sony? Because I feel like Spider-Man is in better hands with Marvel Studios. If he's featured in one of these movies and associated with the success that the Marvel Studios brand has, then that maybe that will draw more eyes and give more confidence back to the Spider-Man brand. Don't you feel like it's been a little tarnished after these past two, I'd have to say, lackluster films from Sony, Amazing Spider-Man? Well, um, I I want to answer that uh, long form because... This is a long form style podcast. It really is. The floor is yours, sir. So, I think that the Spider-Man, the two Amazing Spider-Man movies were not amazing. They didn't live up to their names. False advertising, you say? Yeah. yeah. Um, Particularly the first one. I think the first one was... I I hesitate to call it a piece of shit or anything. I think that's unfair. I don't think you hesitate. No, I've been hard on it, but I should be hard on it because it's Spider-Man. You know, I'm hard on Spider-Man, the comic book, because I feel like there are certain comic book characters out there that should write themselves and there is no excuse for having anything other than top-notch quality comic books and movies and I think The Amazing Spider-Man 1 was a very mediocre effort mainly because it was telling an origin story that we already got and not only did we already get it we got it recently and we got it better than what they tried to do in The Amazing Spider-Man it you know, it was okay, it was good, and if we had never seen the Sam Raimi one, we wouldn't be drawing comparisons, but you cannot not draw comparisons. It was too new, it was, um, or it was too soon for a reboot, uh, and, and the Sam Raimi one was so beloved. Now, granted, you had, um, internet haters that after Spider-Man 3 was not good. Everyone hated the entire trilogy that Sam Raimi did. And uh, and that's silly revisionist history. I right. mean, like, Spider-Man 2, I'll hold that up uh, against any comic book film. New, old, classic, coming out in the future. I think that that movie stands the test of time. It was really good. Yeah, so I, I agree with you, and... Um, you know, I'm still semi-resentful that they rebooted that series because while Spider-Man 3 was a major misstep, I don't feel like the creators of of that trilogy like had completely lost their grip on what made Spider-Man work. And I think they could have really kind of like 
set things right with a fourth movie, and who knows, even beyond. You know, I I wish we were talking about, you know, Spider-Man 5 is coming out next year. That would be exciting because I liked, I know that, you know, there's a lot of um, division amongst fans. Some people like McGuire, some people like Garfield. I like them both for different reasons, but I really did like Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. And I think he, he could still be doing it to this day. Um, you know, I I was kind of liking the progression of that character in that world that they created. Um, you know, I, I think obviously they did the whole Mary Jane and Gwen Stacy thing backwards in, in those movies, but yeah, whatever. Didn't it feel like the third movie wasn't really Sam Raimi's movie to tell? It wasn't his story to tell? There's clearly stuff that was smashed in there that didn't feel like he wanted it in there. All the Venom stuff, all the extra Green Goblin stuff. I feel like if it was Sam Raimi and no other studio influence, him just telling the story he wanted, it would have been a Sandman story. And I think that would have been a better, more streamlined tale to tell. I think so, too. Well, Sandman was without a doubt one of the best parts of that movie, if not the best part of the movie. He was probably better than... I'd say it was the best part of that movie. looked amazing. Um, It was a really, I felt, truly sympathetic character until they tried to shoehorn his backstory with Spider-Man's origin by having him be associated with the killer of Uncle Ben. I thought that was really ham-fisted and dumb. But... Overall, I think the Sandman was cool. And he looked just like the comic book. And as anyone that's listened to this podcast knows, I love seeing the comic book come to life. If they do it the way that they did it in that movie, in all movies, then I'm happy. When you start fucking with shit and making it like your own thing, like as if my vision is better than this thing here that has withstood the test of time, but my... My whim, my just what I have in my head is superior. I feel like you are not worthy of handling this property. Go somewhere else. I hate that. And I feel like a lot of movie people have that mentality. And sometimes reality has to knock on the door and, you know, give those people that check. Like I think what happened with, for example, The Amazing Spider Man 1. I think that was such a misstep in a lot of ways. That's why I feel The Amazing Spider-Man 2 was an improvement. Um, undeniably, they improved the look of the character. They got that right. Well, I think we both agree that that's the best version of Spider-Man, costume-wise and portrayal as the superhero that we've ever seen. No doubt. Um, it, I mean, that's about the most spot-on portrayal of a superhero, not just that superhero. And um, not only did he look great, he acted exactly the way Spider-Man's supposed to act. When he puts on that costume, the way Andrew Garfield portrayed him couldn't have been more perfect. Um, and, I, and I liked the, the more light-hearted nature of a lot of his, his action and, and just sort of the overall tone in that movie. Um, you know, I, I, personally, I think that Spider-Man, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 is several points ahead of um, The Amazing Spider-Man 1. I'd like to watch them both again back-to-back. I haven't purchased The Amazing Spider-Man 2 yet, but I'd like to watch them back-to-back. There are things that I loved about that film. The way that they treated um, Gwen and Peter's relationship. 
as we just mentioned, all the Spider-Man stuff, all that action was really great. Right. There were some things that I just absolutely hated about it, too. I didn't like Dane DeHaan. Ooh, I didn't like Electro. Bad. So those were things that were were just poor. But there was it, – it, I, I, I'm hard to give it uh, you know, a failing grade or something like that because there were so many really good things about it. it yeah. Yeah, it's, it's certainly not without its flaws. Um, but getting back to like the whole thing, my original point was um, I I'm not sure, I'm not convinced that having Marvel kind of write the, the Spider-Man ship is necessarily something that's going to get everyone enthusiastic about Spider-Man again. I feel like everyone knows who Spider-Man is. Everyone loves him. But if, at the end of the day, he goes back to Sony, which, by all accounts, based on Spider-Man 3 and The Amazing Spider-Man 2, that studio kind of, like, tinkers a little too much with the creator's vision, I think. Um, Like we said, it seems like the studio's hands were all over Spider-Man 3. And and from what both Andrew Garfield and, I think, Mark Webb have said about The Amazing Spider-Man 2 about its quote-unquote failure was there was too much studio interference, um, too much, like, editing, and, and they had to cut certain things out. And Well, they completely cut out Mary Jane from that film. Yeah, who knows what that would have done to the to the tone. Um, although, she would have added an element um, to, the, to the, like, the drama between Peter and, and Gwen, which was already strong. I think the weaker points were more... The portrayal of the villains, um, Dane DeHaan's acting, uh, the the true Green Goblin, who you know um, Chris Cooper as Norman Osborn, you like wanted him to be the Green Goblin, but he was just some old dying man in a bed. You got to see the best version of Green Goblin for like two seconds, and then he was dead. Like yeah. that was now, the creepiest, best looking Green Goblin that's been on screen so far. Yeah, right. Now, it was. Uh, I I still maintain that you in particular are very hard on the original Spider-Man movie version. Yeah. And and trust me, I understand that that costume is not what we want it to be. But the the character was, to me, that's, that's what I read in the comic books. And that was, like, perfect. The Chris Cooper thing in bed, while creepy and kind of cool, even if they realize that and bring him into the third movie or whatever, I'm not sure that that's really going to be the Green Goblin. Yeah, Willem Dafoe, no doubt, was the right call. It was perfect casting. And did, especially as, um, just as Norman Osborn, I thought, was really well acted. The scene where he is in the study and he's talking to himself or talking to the yeah. the masks, I think that was probably the best part involving that character in that film. It was my favorite. And I, I, Boy, there were a lot of parts that I liked with him, actually. I, I, really I liked Man, him. I can't get a, around like the him flying around, singing the Itsy Bitsy Spider. I can't get around him putting Spider-Man to sleep and going, sleep! Like, See, I can't get past that stuff. I, it's too I, hacky. I, it is a little hacky, but, you know, it's based on some... Some storylines and stuff from the 60s, you know? 
And I get and, that. And, I can appreciate and that. And I, I don't think it has a 60s vibe to it, but but it's still using that as its kind of like inspiration. And, you know, I actually really like sort of the the classic part right after that where the villain is totally taunting an incapacitated Spider-Man on the rooftop. And I just like that setting. I like that kind of exchange. I always like instances where, where the villain taunts the hero. And that movie had it, and I really liked it. And I love that it's like on a rooftop, kind of at dusk. It just, like, if I was writing a comic book story with a hero, like, I'm going to incorporate a scene like that. Um, and uh, so, but again, trying to circle back to the point I was trying to make was even if Marvel gets to borrow Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man and does what they're going to do, everybody's going to like it, but at the end of the day, this is going back to Sony and it's going back to Mark Webb, the director, It it's just really up to him to make it good. Right. Like it, it's not, it it's not about like fan awareness of Spider-Man because Marvel Studios has it. Spider-Man is one of those few characters that everybody knows and it will not matter if it's Marvel Studios, Sony, or fucking Pixar that puts it out. I think it would give a shot into the a shot in the arm to a franchise that currently is riding pretty low. I think that's all it wouldn't it's not no, going to change right. the face of any, you know, of the future Spider-Man movies, but it will do something that Spider-Man, the Amazing Spider-Man 2 failed to do, which is excite the audience yeah. and get them ready for another chapter. Because right now we're kind of in limbo with maybe there's a Sinister Six movie coming out, maybe Spider-Man 3, we don't know, we're moving them around. So they're doing some stuff like that, but I, I think that it would be a smart move on Sony to lend that character out. Well, I guess it might not hurt, like you said. I I wasn't exactly sure how it's going to help necessarily because, you know, it's up to them to to make something good and not rely on Marvel to... Whatever Marvel does, I don't feel like is necessarily going to affect what Sony does in terms of overall quality. It might, like, inspire them as their game, but it's not going to, like... It's not going to make the next Spider-Man movie good. I'm not saying that. Right, right. Um, but it, it could inspire the creators to, to you know, maybe reassess their approach. Yeah. Now, some of the other films, we talked a lot about the Avenger Infinity War because that's really the uh, the centerpiece of all these films. It's the major hub of where they're all going and when where they're all headed. When is that supposed to come out? And that is supposed to come out in... 19, I believe. 2019. It's a long... I think 18 and 19. That's what... 18 and 19 are going to be those films. What is it now? 2014? Yeah, that's a lot of... Um, a lot of planning involved there. Yeah, Infinity War Part 1, May 2018. Infinity War Part 2, May 2019. Now, a little more... St- you know, in the near future, we're going to have Cat- Captain America 3, Civil War. That's May 6th, 2016. They did confirm that 
This is going to be almost, uh, it, you know, Civil War. They're pulling a name from uh, an iconic storyline. For those of you so that... it's Cap 3? It's Cap 3. It's going to feature Captain America as well as bring back Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. They're going to be like co, co-headliners in this one. Mm-hmm. And from the storyline, as you know, Matt, but maybe some people don't know, there's going to be... And I'm not sure how they're going to play it. There's a hero registration act where you have to register if you have powers or not with the government um, and there there are divided lines between the heroes and Cap takes one side Iron Man takes the other side so that is what's going to happen with that film and I, I'm excited that they brought Robert Downey Jr. who we didn't know if he's going to come back and wear the armor really again in He's he's going to be featured very prominently here, so that's exciting. I think that's exciting too. It's it's also interesting to think that they very well may portray Iron Man as a villain. Which imagine that a hero as a villain in a Marvel movie. True. Uh, now, one thing that I didn't think of: we were talking about heroes and villains in Avengers Two. Big scene, feature scene where Hulk's battling Iron Man, Hulkbuster armor. One really obvious thing that none of us thought of was that Ultron could possibly be controlling that Hulkbuster armor. That could be one thing that happens in that film. So and it I might not. They showed uh, clearly Tony Stark was in that armor. They did show Iron Man go down in that, but I don't know if did he have his mask up or down. I thought you saw his real face, and then the armor sort of closes around it. I don't. I don't know. It's just that was. It's a theory. Maybe if, I don't. I don't remember if you see his face or not. I know that you see an Iron Man suit go into a bigger Hulkbuster suit, and then the thing oh, come maybe, down. Okay, maybe I, But I, I mean, know. it's it's just a theory. So that's something to think about. Uh-huh. But um, uh, again, heroes versus heroes, not just in the Marvel universe, but also in the DC universe. So. It's not necessarily something that we love, but I think that Civil War will be interesting. I'm excited to to take a look at that. It will be interesting, and I'm interested too because ever since Robert Downey Jr. has become Iron Man, Iron Man has essentially become an A-list superhero. Little kids know who he is. Nobody knew who the fuck Iron Man was before Robert Downey Jr. got his hands on that character. And now... Everyone knows. Everyone loves him. Arguably, more little kids like Iron Man over Captain America because he's funnier. And they're going to turn everyone's favorite hero into a bad guy, essentially. That would be a bold move. They have to do it that way, though, right? They really do. I I mean, um, unless they, they play it the way I wish they had played it in the comic book, where you are legitimately torn on oh my god I don't know like I, I I understand where he's coming from but I see where he's coming from but in the comic book they they failed on that level I think that they they really dictated to the reader who you're supposed to side with coming off a- age of Ultron I'm sure Tony's going to be at odds with man you know it, just judging from what we know a little bit about the story, it looks like Ultron, one of his creations, comes 
and you know turns on the Avengers. And this is a project that I'm going to assume he's been working on without the knowledge of the Avengers. Coming out of this, I would think that his, his, his the way he's thinking about things is, man, we do need somebody to watch over us. Look what I did behind everybody's back, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm pretty trustworthy, and I was only doing this with the best intentions, and I created Ultron. Captain America is coming from a completely different side of this. Captain America 2, Winter Soldier, finds out that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been corrupted by HYDRA. Who can you trust? You can't trust anybody. You can So those are two different things that they've been setting up for, mm-hmm. at this point, it'll That's be years. That's a really good point. And I think it's going That's to the really... the best point you've ever made Thank on the McSauce Comic Book Podcast. Well, it, yeah, no. Uh, I, it, it, take, it takes 80 episodes to really get and, me and going. Paul wasn't even here to see it, so he's not even going to believe it happened. He's never... He tuned gonna, up. Paul, Ian made a point. <laughs> he's never done that before, and he made a point. I'll be like, no, I don't believe it. Paul, oh, no, but you can listen to it. Here it is. Here's the evidence. Oh, I don't believe it. So I think that's going to be interesting to see these two different ideological points of view about the superhero community come to a head in 2016. After that, something that we've all been looking forward to, Marvel expanding the genres that they feature their heroes in, Doctor Strange in November, November 4th, right after Halloween, you go out to the movies, you see 2016. That's two years from tomorrow. Two years from tomorrow, we'll be we'll be talking about the podcast that we just wrapped up, and we'll be going to the theater. We're getting our plans ready to go see Doctor Strange. Now, no casting has been confirmed at this point. There is a rumor that Benedict Cumberbatch will be Doctor Strange. Nothing confirmed, though. Um, to me, on the surface, that sounds like perfect casting. He's got the voice, you put the little facial hair on him and, you know, the weird spots on his hands and the haircut, give him a cape, and he fucking becomes Doctor Strange. Really arrogant, I think he could play. Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely perfect. I hope it happens. You know, all these other people I've heard, Ewan McGregor, um, uh, Joaquin Joaquin Phoenix Phoenix is a big one, um... There was one other one that that I had heard um, that I wasn't real wild about. There is uh, another uh, rumor about Keanu Reeves. I'm not sure that we want to go that way. He's a little too, a little too stiff. Constantine wasn't enough. He's got to go to the Marvel version of the <laughs> dark arts character. Yeah, seriously, I don't think that he wants to do that again. Take that ride. Not that I don't like Keanu. I love Keanu. But I, I don't think I want to see... I, I want to see somebody different. And I think this is... If, if we can uh, come through and get that all settled, it's an interesting world. It's horror and magic and stuff that's totally different from anything else that you've seen in Marvel so far. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be really interesting to see where they go with that. Um so, yeah, two years from now, I'm pretty sure we'll be going to the movies together. Putting on a uh, cape and those weird gloves. Are you going to get dressed up? Uh, no, probably not. I'm... And you do, like, he always makes the uh, the devil horns. Yeah, we could do that. Or no, but he leaves his thumb out, so he's basically saying, I love you. Is that 
I love you in sign language? I believe it is, yeah. Fucking romantic. In May of 2017, Guardians 2. I would imagine more of the same. Same characters coming back. Maybe Adam Warlock? Who knows? I don't really know how they're going to connect all that, but I'm excited for that one. I really enjoyed Guardians, this uh, the, the first film. Probably my favorite film this year, I would have to say. Guardians. A lot of fun. Hmm. I gotta give it some thought. What was my favorite? We'll, movie. we'll get back we'll on get that. We'll get back one. to that. We don't have to pause the podcast for it. Well, hold on a second. Matt needs to figure out what his favorite <laughs> movie was this year. We can't talk about anything else. Thor 3. I'm super excited for Ragnarok in July Ragnarok. of 2017. I guess it's a classic storyline from the 80s. I'm not Walt really. Simonson? Yeah, Beta Ray Bill. Possibly, I don't know. I've never read it. Wasn't really a big Thor guy until the first film, to be real honest. So we'll see that. And then November 3rd, 2017, Black Panther. Chadwick Boseman has been cast as T'Challa. He is the star of 42, as well as Get On Up, the. Um, not the Rick James. What James Brown? I'm getting my uh, my black confused. '70s singers confused. The James Brown biopic. So a lot of people are excited about that. I've never seen either of these movies. Don't know anything about this dude. So I don't know a whole lot about Black Panther other than he's from Africa. Yeah. From some what, what country is that? Wakanda. Wakanda. Um, a lot of vibranium there in Wakanda. Right. Now, is this? Do you feel that this movie will probably take place in Wakanda, or do you think they'll bring them stateside? I would imagine it's going to be your typical origin shit. You're going to do some Wakanda stuff, then bring them in. If he doesn't get featured in any of these other movies, I'd imagine maybe Civil War. You get to see a little bit of him in or something, mm-hmm. but bring him over to meet up with some other Avengers. I would think. Um, I don't have a lot of feelings on Black Panther. I really don't. I know I should, right? But I don't. I've never... I can't recommend the definitive... Why you have strong feelings on Black Panther? Oh, you know. Half half black? Should should have some feelings? You're half black? A little bit. A little bit. I just thought you had a tan. I didn't know that. Not really... um, any definitive storylines for Black Panther that I can point to? No. I always thought he looked really cool. He does look I cool. I never knew anything about him, really. I was just yeah. like, well, he looks cool. I think now maybe I'll go out of my way and pick up some stuff or yeah. look on Marvel Unlimited and, and see if there's any. He's got a great name, too, the Black Panther. It yeah. just sounds kind of kind of badass. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what they're going to do with that. Um A lot of people are excited about it, say that the casting's great, that it's about time, and this is also, this list is also, I would say, in response to DC releasing all of their information about what they're planning on doing, and they have Cyborg, um, Cyborg film coming out, I think theirs might be in 18, so Marvel is coming out with something in 2017, a little gamesmanship there. It'll be interesting to see how uh, 
how strictly they follow these announcements. Like, are they really going to come out when they say... Because I have a feeling probably half of the movies that they announced with these dates are going to get moved. These dates are going to get moved. Just like we saw Superman, Batman Superman get moved around. Right. Did it get moved around twice? Is that what happened? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, I also feel like Civil War... The fact that they're they're bringing they're basically making it another Avengers movie to go up against Batman v Superman. That I think that's in direct response to DC moving that film around, and now it was really close to where Captain America three was going to be, and maybe Marvel Studios felt like we need something more than just Captain America. We need our second. Big, you know, our first biggest hero, we need really. Two big guys to fight each other because they got their. They're two big, big guys. guys fighting each other, exactly, man. So I feel like both of these lists are just, you know, it. We're we're seeing it play out in the boardrooms of these two studios. What what they're gonna do? And are, are you more excited for one over the other? If you had to pick Marvel or DC? Uh no, I'm not. I I can honestly say I'm not more excited for one or the other because I feel like there's. They still do have their differences, and I'm still more excited for Batman v Superman than Captain America Civil War. But yeah. I'm more excited for, you know, Doctor Strange than a Green Lantern, another Green Lantern film. You know, so it goes back and forth. Uh-huh. Um, but they both have a great set of heroes and a great schedule of movies out there so it's it's going to be real interesting they even have uh black panther artwork for the film that for just what his costume concept art for his costume so looks like black panther looks like black panther nothing super surprising but it's cool that they've uh taken it so far Mm -hmm. to start you know working on the concept artwork so what was the first one that that we can expect the first one's going to be captain america civil war in May 6th, 2016. Mm-hmm. Then Doctor Strange, November 4th, 2016. Okay. Guardians, 5-5-17. Thor 3, July 28th, 2017. Black Panther, November 3rd, 2017. Then we get Captain Marvel in July of 2018. That would be interesting. Captain Marvel, for those of you that don't know, female character... Um, so that's going to be the first Marvel movie that's going to feature the main superhero as, as a woman. Now, uh, Captain Marvel is kind of a cosmic character. At least he was in previous uh, iterations. Um, I'm not very familiar with Captain Marvel in general. Um, I know that uh, Thanos melted his hands off in the Infinity Gauntlet. Um Back when he went by Quasar, yes. Um, I'm I'm not real interested. I, I when I see that I'm like, wait, why is there not a Nova movie? I want to see a Nova movie, right? Do you like, think that that is that's Marvel's Green Lantern that they've already sort of begun to establish, and and I hope that they further establish him and, and bring him in and and you know. Let audiences see how cool a Nova character can be, because for the most part, they're somewhat comic relief. <laughs> they're they're comic relief in a movie chock full of comedy. 
in Guardians of the Galaxy. To know this is, are. yeah, these are the funny guys in this fucking slapstick right. film. Just think about that term, comic relief. It's like, you know, the, everything is just so serious. You need some relief. This is the comedy to lighten the mood. This is the you. funny part of a Marvel movie. Yeah, oh, movie. finally. Shit was so serious. So, um, to answer my own question, I'm more excited for the DC stuff. And the only reason why, because, like, you, you rattle off this list, and while it sounds very cool... Probably, this is where Paul would clap and give me a dirty look and be like, see, 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 DC's better. <laughs> he would. He's he's probably clapping right now. But right now, He's probably masturbating right now. Oh, like, while he's listening to this, or, like, right now, right now? Right now, right now. Oh, okay. And I, then, in the future, when he listens to this. Do you think he'll jerk it while he listens to us? Well, he always does, so... Oh. I didn't, like, while we record? I just didn't know. Uh, or when he goes back and listens. Usually whenever he, we're recording, he's jerking off to NHL.com. <laughs> so, l- let me explain why I'm probably more excited for the DC stuff. Well, number one, Batman v Superman. That's one of my most anticipated super... I haven't been this excited for a superhero movie probably since, like, The Amazing Spider-Man. I really haven't. You know, to see these two heavy hitters, plus the very first... Well, the Amazing Spider... Or you mean Spider-Man 1. Spider-Man 1. Okay, did I was going to say... Yes, you did. Okay, sorry. Okay, <laughs> you confused no, the fuck out Spider-Man 1. I'm sorry. Spider-Man 1, very first time we ever saw that, that character. Um, and I think we all pretty much fell in love with it right from the first trailer that they eventually pulled because it featured the Twin Towers a few months before they were... Um, <clears throat> blown up. But, uh, so Superman, or Batman v Superman, that's like a no-brainer. But beyond that, I'm just, I'm excited out of curiosity. Like, I'm I'm not just curious, but like, I'm excited because I'm so curious. Because we don't know what we're going to get out of these DC movies. I feel like this could be a lot of speculation, but I feel like there's going to be less of like a template for the DC films than there is for Marvel. Marvel's kind of like a little bit tighter, it seems, and they kind of know exactly the kind of movie that they want these movies to be. Whereas DC, I think, you know, there's going to be an overall supervision kind of thing from probably Zack Snyder, but I expect it to be just a little more open-ended in terms of what we might get. And that's what DC really has going for it, is the unknown. We don't know what they're going to do. We do have a real good idea right, what not, Marvel movies exactly. are. They feel like they're silly, they're funny, they but, have these right. beats I, here and there. I think I'm going to enjoy all of them, pretty much. But the thing is, I also don't feel like I'm going to go to any of them and be like... I feel like none of them have the potential to be the best movie I've ever seen. Whereas, I feel like maybe with the DC ones... Sure, there's the potential there because I don't even know yeah. what to expect, and and there's that like level of the unknown that just is interesting because I sort of already know what I'm going to get, which is going to be great entertainment, but you still kind of know. I feel like the Suicide Squad movie that's coming out in 2016 mm-hmm. could be something genre breaking, like it could be something so different that we've never seen before. And that's one of the biggest gripes that I know that you have about comic book films. And I know I think Paul feels pretty similar with that. 
is that we've seen a lot of these things before. You get your origin story, you get this, you get that. The hero is like this. Whereas Suicide Squad, these aren't these aren't heroes. This is a villain's movie or a morally gray, you know, set of characters that are going to perform a task that might not be all that nice. So I I think that that movie has the potential to be something so right. different and I so agree. cool. The, I think what the both studios need to do, though, is just don't chicken out. Don't try to find that, that gray area and be noncommittal to whatever the storyline really should be. Uh, because when you do that, I think you leave a lot of people dissatisfied. Just go all out. These are bad guys. Make them do bad guy things. If it's not a Marvel Studios property, but a film that's coming out that has the chance to do that, Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. That could be a movie that also is way different than anything that we've ever seen before with him addressing, breaking the fourth wall and addressing the audience. There's talk of him talking about how shitty the Deadpool and Wolverine origin, X-Men Origins Wolverine, talking about how that character was terrible to the audience. I think that's something that's interesting. And he's a bad fucking guy. He's a fucking villain. So it, I think that movie could be equally as interesting as what they're going to do with the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I, I have never been a huge Deadpool fan, but I, I sort of feel like going to that... You will be so entertained and just, I think, fall in love with that character just out of the sheer, like, humor and entertainment that, that will be provided. Especially if they do unique things like, go ahead and break that fourth wall. Be the one superhero movie that just doesn't take itself at all seriously. Did you ever see the teaser trailer that they have or the test footage that they have for the Deadpool film? No. That was what kind of got it kick-started, and it was really, honestly, the biggest news that came out of Comic-Con was this released footage from an effects company for the Deadpool movie using Ryan Reynolds, who, who did the voice acting. CGI created Deadpool, but it's maybe about a four-minute-long clip, just kind of highlighting some of the humor, some of the violence that would happen. That's another thing. Superhero movies, generally PG, PG-13. Mm-hmm. I think that... I don't know if they will, but they could get away with an R-rated Deadpool film. They could also do it with Suicide Squad, and I think it would benefit the product to do that and take it to that different place that superhero movies don't go to. Now, what is the release date for Deadpool? That's a great question, and I don't have it pulled up here. Well, folks, you know what? Use Google yourself. You can find out. 2016. 2016. Yes. Um, All right, so... Let's talk a little bit about um, Marvel canceling some, you know, kind of segue from movies into comic books, but still sticking with movies because we sort of feel like Marvel has announced some cancellations of titles, which just so happen to be titles in which they do not currently have the movie rights. And just like we talked about Deadpool, that is not a Marvel Studios property. That's a Fox property. Just like the X-Men, Fantastic Four. We talked a lot about the crossover with Spider-Man. That's a Sony property. So Marvel made a deal in the late 90s, early 2000s to give their licenses out to a few different studios because at the time, Marvel as a company was in a lot of trouble. 
They filed bankruptcy. Chapter 11, yeah. They had a lot of bad things going on. They found that maybe a way to make some money was to hand out these properties and try to make these films and get a part of that. Um, so they did that with Fantastic Four, the X-Men franchises, and Spider-Man. Now they have their own studio, which is the Avengers and all those films. And... You know, that's an interesting thing if you think about it. Like... They, they handed out the properties that they probably at the time felt were the most valuable. Because I think what they did was they essentially sold the rights, the movie, the film rights, to Spider-Man, the X-Men, the Fantastic Four. Those are the big ones. And at the time, they probably thought, eh, Iron Man's probably not all that hot of a commodity. Captain America, you know, nobody gives a shit about that. Um, I don't know what happened with Hulk. Obviously... Hulk was released as a 20th Century Fox film after the first Spider-Man, but now he's back into the fold with Marvel. So I don't know exactly when they got the rights to that character. Another character that they farmed out was uh, Daredevil. Um, but it's just interesting how back in during the time when they did that, what characters they felt had value, whereas the ones that they retained, which probably in the eyes of, you know potential filmmakers or the studios had less value. Now they're the ones that have the greatest value. But that's, you know, partly because of the quality of the movies that Marvel Studios has made. It's kind of amazing the consistency in which they've been able to put out movies. Yeah, some are better than others, obviously, Thor The Dark World being the best. Um, but Of course. I need to watch that movie again just to see how insane I was whenever I said that. But, um, I generally, like, you don't watch a Marvel movie. Well, I guess there are some exceptions. Like, Iron Man 3 was kind of a turd. Yeah, it wasn't really it, the best. And it gets worse the more you think about it. So, honestly, same with Thor The Dark World. The more you, like think about it, you know how movies like just in your head don't not even like upon a repeat viewing, but like just in general, the longer it, you live with it, like the memory of it, it gets crappier. And you think about just people <laughs> people's points about why they didn't like it. Right. Or, and man, this was really strange that this happened in this film. Exactly. And, like, and then it it's your opinion. Because yeah. like you could have seen it and been like, yeah, it was good. It, I mean, it didn't set my world on fire, but like three years later, you're like, that was shit. And I think that's kind of like the way I was with Iron Man 3. Whereas I probably left that movie like, eh, I didn't really like what they did with Mandarin, but it was still kind of cool, you know. And then, like now, when I talk about it, yeah, it was kind of crappy. Thor The Dark World, I've listened to so many people... People in real life, podcasts that I've listened to, just shit on it so bad that I'm like, man, I love that movie. I have to watch it again to figure out if I was totally crazy or if there were some really good things in there. Upon not viewing it again recently, I can say that I really liked all the the Loki-Thor interaction, and maybe that's what I like the best about it. And that's what I liked about the first film as well, as well as the world. I really like Asgard and that whole environment. I think it's fascinating. It's it's sci-fi and medieval combined, and, and I really dig that. And I don't think I've 
gotten that from anything else, really. And maybe that's what I really gravitated towards in, in the second film, just them playing on some of that high-tech, mythological shit, just wanting to see more of it. I'm going to have to go back and check it out again. So you're explaining the um, kind of the, the reason why Marvel doesn't have the rights to all these um, properties that, that they used to have, movie rights. Um, and that kind of coincides with the titles that were announced to be canceled in the, in the near future. Yeah, they are going to cancel X-Force, all new invaders, which I don't think that that's going to, that has any play in this theory that we're talking about. Electra is a book that's being canceled, Secret Avengers, and I believe that Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four. As well as they were talking, I can't, I don't see anything definitive about All New Ghost Rider, but they were talking about that Canceling as well. It. And one thing that I heard mentioned by um, another podcast I listened to, they're talking to... Why don't you give them a plug? Oh, they're super famous. Screen Rant. Never heard of them. Right. They were talking to a comic book writer at Comic-Con New York, and... He said something about, yeah, you know, all these books are getting canceled, but it's funny, Captain Marvel doesn't sell a lot of, doesn't move a lot of units, doesn't sell all that well, but we have a new movie, so there's no way that they can cancel that book, even though it's doing as bad or worse than these other books that are being canceled. So it's funny to see the interplay of the movies affecting the cancellations of these books and what does and does not get canceled. Well, we've talked about it before on the podcast. We, I think, unanimously feel like Marvel is somewhat subservient to their to their films rather than the other way around. Um, you know, I always felt like the greatest creativity for these characters, it, 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 the origin for it is always the comic books. You know, everything so... It almost never happens where something is established in one of the movies and it really has a long-lasting effect in the comics. They've done things where they've sort of altered uh, certain things, like, for example, the X-Men. When the movie came out, they had the leather outfits. For a handful of years, they switched over to leather outfits in the comic books. Didn't last. Um, Then... uh, in Spider-Man and the Sam Raimi ones, they had Spider-Man have organic web shooters where you know it came right out of his wrists. Uh, then they tried to sort of change Spider-Man in the comics. Again, it didn't last. Where everything else flows right through the comic books and, and you know onto the screen. And um, I really wish that Marvel would let their comic books be king. I feel like it's really... But in a way, you know they feel like they owe their life to the movies now. The movies have changed around the dynamic of that company so drastically. Without a doubt. Um, And I agree with what you're saying, but I can't fault them for having that feeling that, man, you know, we were dead in the water. We were auctioning off desks and chairs from our studios back in the late 90s, and now we're this big, huge, powerful company. Here's here's a question, though. Will the movies crash at some point? Is the That's a great question. Is the genre going to... 
are people just going to be like, oh my god, this that's all it fucking is. Especially now with like... We're starting these, to get to that point, aren't right, we? Right. Both these companies are like, alright, Marvel, I see what you got. I'm going to raise you this movie and this movie and this movie. And Marvel, it's, it's like an arms race. And at some point, the consumer is like lost in the middle... And, and they're just going to be like, you know what, I think I'm just going to go see this new Bill Murray movie, this dramedy. I don't need another fucking superhero movie. And, you know, that's partly why I think these movies that they did announce need to kind of try to break some new ground creatively. You know, they got to try new things. Because if they don't, or maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe I'm, I'm overestimating... You know the the general audience's lust for uh, something different, for you know their ability to get bored easily. Like, I mean, I just think about uh, the the latest new video game that just came out, Call of Duty. What is this, Call of Duty Thirty Seven? And people are lapping it up. And there's one every freaking year. It's, it's just like the Madden franchises, exactly. just and, like all the sports franchises. And yet they don't they, they don't seem to be losing any steam. Even though you could have fairly mediocre reviews for these things, people are, you know, professionals are starting to, like, call these things out for being kind of derivative of itself and not really doing anything new or taking chances or whatever. That's that's not enough to, like, sway the general populace's, like, hunger for for these franchises that are just, like, unstoppable juggernauts, which seems to be what Marvel is at this point, but... I don't know. It, if there's, like, three kind of, like, mediocre movies in a row, are people suddenly going to be like... Eh. Do you think that would stop the train, like, this oncoming, unstoppable comic book movie train? If, like... Because you look at it, the studios have so much invested. It, at this point, has been ten years plus of comic book movies. Pretty much, if not dominating, having a prominent role... At the movie theater, and and now I'm looking at the there's an infographic of the next few years, really cool and it's it's very imposing. I mean, there's there's going to be tons it, of films a year. I, you know, some years in in 2016 you're going to have one, two, three, four, it, five, six films. In 2017 you're going to have eight. In in 18 you're going to have eight. Like there's a lot it's of a, it's a Money very necessary infographic. Um, it really, it, it's like invaluable. You look at it and it puts things into perspective. You know, there was a time when, well, we got no superhero movies a year. And then there was a time shortly after that where it was one or maybe two a year. And now it's, like you just said, eight a year. It's like, my God. The fact that they are, you know, so beloved as well. Um, and I honestly think that the creators of these films are trying to branch out and they're trying to do things differently and they're trying to do new things with the heroes. Maybe we won't see it stop. Maybe it'll just keep progressing and evolving and it'll just, instead of being, these are superhero movies, maybe it'll just be like, well, these are, these are new films based on existing characters. The main thing that I think could derail this train is when you get to that point where you maybe have to recast some actors, like particularly Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. That is the I one agree with that. That, that will 
kill that character. You know, I, I sort of feel like they should just kill that character. When Robert Downey Jr. says, I don't want to be Iron Man anymore. I want to go make The Judge Part 2. I think what they need to do is, like, kill him off in the movie and just be, be done with that character. Because there is no way you will capture that magic again. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, these Infinity War movies that are coming down the line, that might be a good place. But I don't remember off the top of my head how many years he resigned for because he did have a new deal in place and he might have... I don't know how what amount of films he did agree to star in, but... Yeah, I, I'm not even looking at it so much as, like, what's he interested in doing? Because from what I've understood, he likes being Iron Man. He I, loves it. My thought is, he's already starting to look kind of old. Yeah. You know, Infinity War comes out in, like, five years. Infinity War 2 comes out in six years, or whatever it's going to be. That's, like... He's gonna at some point just be too old to be a, like a great leading A-list superhero character, especially one that likes to have his face shown for seventy percent of the film. Which is, I mean, that's you know he he resigned and said, "Yeah, I'm not going to do another Iron Man movie, but you're going to have to make me the star of that Captain America movie." Right, right, right. <laughs> So, Do you think yeah. Chris Evans was like, motherfucker? I bet he's like, yeah, just fucking kill me. Just kill my character. I'm done with this. And I think his contract is up. So who Chris knows? Chris Evans. I think he might have like one or two more films that he's contracted to be in. So theory out there, kill him in Civil War, bring him back for one of those Avengers Infinity War films. Is it called Avengers Infinity War? Or yes. Just Infi- okay. Avengers Infinity War Part 1, Part 2. And, and so that will, for all intents and purposes, be Avengers 3 and 4. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So so do do you think that Marvel is, is purposefully canceling books for which they don't have the movie rights? I thought that they were... Sabotaging Spider-Man for that, so yeah, man, I, I, I really do. Maybe it's a conspiracy theorist in me, but but yet Spider-Man sells really well. But it's so shitty. Like, do you like Spider-Man now? Because I don't. I gave up on it again. I gave. I've been giving it chances for years now, and I, I gave up. Yeah, uh, I am actually really behind on it, so I can't. I can't. I only read the first issue of the relaunch. I read so the first three. I didn't enjoy it. I quit yeah. because I want- it felt like more of the same weird stuff that I just didn't enjoy from Spider-Man. I just don't like where Peter Parker's at in his life. I don't like any of the surrounding cast of characters. Yeah. They're not enjoyable. And I, I just don't like where they've taken him. I know you weren't a big JMS fan, but I really like that run. I like where they took that character. It felt logical. School teacher, all that. <laughs> I would kill to get the JMS Spider-Man back compared to where he is today. Right, yeah. Uh, But I guess at the time... Because I think JMS followed Howard Mackey, who I felt just got the character. I felt Howard Mackey's run was so, like, criminally underrated. Um, I loved the characters. I thought the cast was really strong. Um... It, and and plus you had well you had it for the JMS run as well but you had 
John Romita Jr. artwork. And um, he also drew the Howard Mackey, mainly, most of the Howard Mackey run, if I remember correctly. And I think that's that's really when I became a big John Romita Jr. fan. Was the Howard Mackey stuff, did it also feature some Eric Larson? Because I know there was... Eric Larson returned for a block of Amazing Spider-Man stuff. Yeah. And I tried to get those, but I don't remember who the writer was on that. I want to say it was Howard Mackey, um, but that those weren't particularly good issues. Yeah. Um, that was toward, I think, I want to say the end of that run, and it just wasn't as strong. Um, the Howard Mackey stuff, whenever I think of it, I'm thinking maybe like um, 99, maybe somewhere in there. Yeah. Which, God, sounds so long ago now. It's forever ago in comic books. Peter's been a villain and dead and back yeah, and whatever he's doing in, now. In comic book time, those 30 days. <laughs> they created an entire new universe for him and then killed him in that one. Like, you know, so much stuff has happened to that character. Oh, uh, yeah. So I've, I'm hearing that they're going to bring Miles Morales, the... Uh, the current Ultimate Spider-Man into the into the regular Marvel universe because it seems like they're inching closer to just obliterating the Marvel the Ultimate Marvel universe. I think that some of the solicitations hint at that that next summer it's all finished and that they are gonna bring that character into the regular Marvel U. I like Miles Morales. I think he's a really interesting take on the character. I'm not sure how he can exist in the universe with Peter Parker as well. Uh, but I also hear that they're doing Spider-Gwen. They're going to do Gwen. What? Yeah, yeah. Gwen oh, Stacy. And I don't... And that's in the regular Marvel U. So they're going to do Gwen Stacy as a Spider-Man character because they're going to All branch right, out you know and have this whole Spider-Verse. Let's just talk about something else. This sounds so bad. I can't even... <laughs> let's discuss something else. Something something near and dear to my heart are... Uh, moving on. Something near and dear to my heart. Things Paul hate. Ah, uh, yes. I think we both like things Paul hates. Um... I feel like every time we try to talk about certain things, Paul checks out a little bit, goes on NHL.com, checks some scores, accidentally gets bought, like sound coming out of his computer. Of course, you've been guilty of that once or twice yourself. I did it once, for the record. Well, one podcast, but nine times, I think, during that episode. Uh, Maybe. Maybe a few times on purpose. (laughs) So, um, one of the things Paul hates was, uh, we talked about it earlier, um, 90s comics. That's because that doofus, while we were entrenched in the glorious medium that is comic books and comic book culture, I don't know what the hell he was doing. I think he was watching hockey, collecting hockey cards. Collecting hockey cards. A lot of hockey. A lot of hockey with that We were collecting comic books. That's true. We held on to that hobby. 90s comic books. Matt, where... We both started with Spider-Man, but what were kind of some of the first things that you... Got into with definitely Marvel Comics. I I really didn't branch into um, DC Comics much at all the first year or so that I bought comic books. Did um, you have the sports mentality? I can't read DC because I'm a Marvel fan. Because I'll tell you what, back when I was a little kid and I started reading comic books, I kind of felt that way for a little bit of time. Yeah, a little bit. Um, me. May- 
mainly because um, I think mainly because I didn't really know DC very well. Like I knew they had Batman, but it I just somehow always felt like Marvel was more accessible. Yeah. Uh, as a kid, um, I think that was just a perception. I don't think that um, that that was the reality of the way that the comic books were written or anything. I just had that in my head, you know. Um, I was desperately interested in getting into the um, into that Spider-Man storyline. Said Wolverine, and I already knew that I that I liked him because I liked the Secret Wars action figure from when I was even younger. And, uh, and obviously I liked Spider-Man. He was like my favorite, but Batman was like my second favorite. And, um, but I still didn't even pick up Batman's. I picked up, um, I can remember like the first handful of comics I bought that, that Spider-Man number, um, 12 was my first, but when I went back and I got a few other things, I got Silver Surfer and I got the Punisher. Um, and Partially, I got those because they were one dollar comics as opposed to the one seventy five, um, so they were more affordable. So you get more. Uh, did you go to the comic book store, or I did went, you go to some no, other? Not venue? initially. Not initially. I went to a place called the Bookshelf. Mm-hmm. It was a small bookstore. It was like an independent bookstore. Um, it was uh, in at Duncan Manor. Um, which was just a shopping center that was, you know, within like six or five or six minutes of my house. And they sold uh, paperback books, probably a few hardback books here and there. Plus the entire back section of their bookstore was all used books. Um, and, uh, and they also had a spinner rack with comics on it. My fucking favorite. I love spinner racks, man. Yep. Now, when you first got into comics, did you buy Spider-Man 12 off of Spinner Rack? Yes, I did. That's probably where it came from, man. Like, just at a convenience store, went there with my dad, walking around, saw the comic books, and he had been buying me comic books coming home from work from this convenience store, and he bought me a bunch of Ninja Turtles Archie comic books. And he was like, oh, let's go to the place that I buy you the comic books. And I went, and I saw the spinner rack, and I spun it around, and fucking Spider-Man was there. A couple weeks later, we went to a Kogo's or something like that. And I remember getting a Detective Comics, an X-Factor comic book, Mm -hmm. and another Amazing Spider-Man. I believe it was an anniversary edition. I forget exactly which one it was, what the number was. Of it was it um, an annual. It, it was it was Amazing Spider-Man. It might have been Doctor Doom on the front cover, like his head real big, and Spider-Man on top. I want to oh, say was, it was that Amazing was a two-parter. That was with uh, Eric Larson. It was it was Amazing Amazing Spider-Man three hundred and fifty. It was Eric Larson. I was going to impress. I was just about to say that. I remembered which one it was. It was the last Eric Larson illustrated Amazing Spider-Man. At that point, he moved on. To do Spider-Man, right. Mark Bagley came on on Amazing Spider-Man, but I didn't know that at that time. That's right. The X Factor that I got was the final issue, where in later on we find out that the that Nathan Summers gets sent into the future, and we find out years and years later that that's Cable, and that was the first issue. So I got all these cool. end of 
like epic yeah, right. things were happening right there and you I was like is this what f- all comic books are like it's like sensory overload you're like huh so I, I went to two different spinner racks and I was I was so sold and I was like where can we go and and my mom told me oh there's the Phantom of the Attic in Monroeville and it's a whole store full of comic books and man after that I haven't stopped going since like that's that's so. been your store all these years all these years man all these that's years that's cool now, I personally have bounced around to a lot of different stores. Um, I, I started at a store um, on McKnight Road called um, Collector's World, which is no longer with us. Gone, rested soul. R.I.P. Collector's World. Um, which was kind of an interesting store. It, it had a guy that, that ran the place um, who... I remember I would go and I would talk to him, and, you know, he was nice enough. He was probably, like, I don't know, late 20s, you know, like, which was so old back when I was 12 or 13 years old. But he had kind of, like, long, real long, straight hair. Um, And I remember he was always smoking. We were always smoking in the store, and I always felt like I was semi-annoying him. When I would try to talk about stuff, because like when I got to go, I fucking stayed until my mom was like, "We gotta go." Like I would just look at comics all goddamn day uh, until I was forced to leave, and I, I'm pretty sure that I annoyed the dude, but whatever. But I always felt like maybe something fishy was going on. He was always smoking, and he was always on the fucking cordless phone <laughs> at this comic book store, um, and. Uh, so from there, um, I ended up going to, and I'm probably leaving several out, but I started going to the to the flea market. Actually, there was a guy that would that had an account with Diamond Comics, and he would like order new shit. And every Sunday, I would go down to the flea market. Yes, the same one where I bought some pornography comics, but that was from a different person. But this guy <laughs> would get in new shit. And and I had a subscription there, and he pulled things for me. And oh wow, yeah, and I've gone to flea markets before, but never anything that intense. Like yeah, it was just dudes with long boxes where I went and bought singles here and there. Yeah, what the, what this guy was doing was he was trying to kind of start like at a grassroots level, um, kind of getting customers and getting some money and everything, getting that put together because he wanted to open a store. Yeah, which he eventually did, but then it failed um and then from there i ended up getting a job at at the hobby shop bill and walt's hobby shop and uh so i got comics from where i worked and i got like a 50 percent discount and you know that's how i ended up getting things like the walking dead number one we got that in i was like well this is really cool i think i'm gonna buy this you know and um so that was that was i think that was a 2.99 cover that sounds right. I got in late, and that was one of the books that I only have ever purchased trades. Okay. That's how I follow the Walking I think Dead. that sells a shitload of trades, that series. But, um, yeah, I think it was a two ninety nine cover, but because I got 50% off, it was a $1.50 investment. And I think I sold that first issue for about 1000 bucks a few years back. Holy shit. I, so, I believe it, man. Yeah, so <laughs> it was like a... Whatever thousand percent uh, profit on that one, but um, that's the one I should have showed my mom. Mom, look, 
I'm a genius. See what I did? Um, so yeah, unfortunately, I haven't had that one place. I've bounced around, and I'm probably on my sixth or seventh comic book store, which, now that I think about it, I'm kind of like the, the, you know, the, the angel of death. If I shop at your store, you will not survive, because <laughs> the hobby shop that I worked at is now out of business, and, um... Every store that I've ever shopped at, except for uh, the current one and one other, are are still around. Every other one, I feel, at least as a regular customer, they're all gone. There was one, um, another one in the general vicinity. It was called um, Cosmic Collectibles. But that one, I believe, closed because the owner ended up getting... He was like a storyboard artist or something. And he ended up getting like a big time illustrating job for like some Hollywood thing. And I remember he, that's why he was going out of business. So his success closed his business down. Yeah. Um, so those are, uh, those are some of my, my more fond, uh, memories from the nineties when I first got into this crazy hobby. But it's amazing how things have changed because the the main comic book store that I go to now is Comixology, yeah. which, you know, fuck you. I'm, I'm still bitter about what you did when Amazon purchased you Comixology. Every time I have to sign into my fucking account, yep. I think about how easy it used to be. Yep. Because even if you click remember my password for some reason, they make you... Put it back in again. Yep. It's always a big process. Yep. I still love buying my comic books digitally. I think that Marvel's app, if you go through the Marvel app, you can do it Marvel all. Marvel Unlimited? Or even just the Marvel app, you can do it all. No, all, you can't. You can't? No, they, they changed that with Image, uh, Marvel, and DC. I, I thought they changed it back. I guess uh, I could be wrong. I don't think so because Amazon still owns those. You know, the digital comics, they're still powered through Comixology. You're on the app right now? Yeah, I think you can do it. Um, oh. Yeah, I think you can do it in the Marvel app. That's very interesting. But not if you're doing Marvel Comics in Comixology. That's totally different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, maybe it's just the Image Comics app that doesn't... Image Comics app, yeah, they, they change over, they got... Um, they change over to the exact same style as Comixology. Right. What about DC Comics? I don't know. Off oh, that's the top right. You don't like DC. <laughs> Let's yeah. find out right now. Let's go to my DC app, you fuck. And find <laughs> out. Uh, let's see here. Store. Sorry, everybody at home. This is important research. Well, first of all, the DC app sucks because it's taking so goddamn long for it to boot up. Well, as everyone listening knows... Marvel is superior to DC in uh, every conceivable way. Looks like DC app is the same as Marvel. You can just buy okay. it right now in the app. Well, so Clearly, I didn't know what I was talking about. I based my my opinion on the fact that Image doesn't allow it, and I figured if Image doesn't allow it, nobody Hey, Ian it. was right about something, another thing that he's never uh, on um, top of. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're talking about how at one point in my life, I thought trade paperbacks were the wave of the future. Well, I feel 
I feel like digital comics are much more the wave of the future than trade paperback. I'm excited to see how this blows up on you after you buy an entire library of digital books. I have already bought an entire library of digital books. Well, you're going to be bummed out when holographic books and holograms are the next thing. I know. That would be awesome, though. Fuck, I can't wait for that. That automatically turn the page for you. Well, not even. Like, the page just pops up around you and you're fucking Uh, right beside Wolverine and... You can touch Psylocke's butt cheeks. It's going to be great. Mm. Does Psylocke have the best butt cheeks in comics? Oh, for my money, yes. Really? Mm-hmm. Now, she's Asian, though. Yeah, Asians yeah. aren't traditionally known for their butt- buttocks curves. <laughs> That's true. Uh, I don't know, but maybe we'll have to put that out there as a... Uh, as a, a pole. Who I almost the- want to say She-Hulk, but it's probably too hard. There's probably not enough jiggle or anything. Very iron, iron sirens. Like you don't, you don't want like, you know, all like something that just feels like it's retaining water. You don't want that water balloon butt. No, no, you don't want water balloon butt. We'll have to uh, take a poll and see what what our lovely fans think about who has the best, best butt cheeks in comics. Oh, Spider Woman, of course. <laughs> that's correct. And she does. That's the end of that poll. <laughs> So I think that's going to wrap it up for tonight. Um, I think we covered a lot of uh, a lot of fun ground here. Uh, I know that we stuck with mainly movies and didn't get into comic books like some of you fans like us to do. But let's face it, movies are what make the world go round. I think that we sidetracked ourselves enough and went into a good portion of comic books. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> and um, yeah, th- thanks for the comic books. Because that's why we get these magical movies anyway. Um, so, yeah. It'll be fun to uh, to sit and wait over the next year and a half for these movies to start trickling out. And then once, once that happens, the floodgates will burst open. And uh, we're going to have, I think it's one a week for the next uh, five or six years. It's going to be amazing. So, stay tuned for our... Uh, previews for these are expectations versus uh, anticipation or whatever the polynomics, enthusiasm and expectation or excitement Uh, we haven't done it for a while excretion or I don't know and then our beloved reviews once that comes, once they finally come out so anyway signing off tonight I'm Matt Casal Ian Sharpley and we'll see you next time